right, welcome to Bigger Than the Game with Darren and Jose. A little bonus content, a little behind the scenes yeah. for you guys. This is our first time doing this, so kind of want to give you guys a little bit more of the extra stuff. So the stuff that kind of made, you know, didn't make the cutting room floor and uh, some other little interesting facts or tidbits that we didn't get into the big featured episode, but we still want to discuss amongst ourselves and with you guys, the fans. So, Jose, what's on your mind looking at this game? Yeah, so, I mean, again, looking at the game and the series as a whole, right, we're, we're talking about, you know, some of the guys who were really, who really stepped up, right, and had phenomenal series. For me, you know, we talked about Dykstra, right, for the Phillies. You know, we talked about Tony Fernandez had a really good series. We talked about Ricky Henderson had some moments. Joe Carter had some moments. But for me, which is the obvious because he won the MVP, you know, I, I the first person that stuck out to me, man, was Paul Molitor. And, and just the way... Every at bat, I felt like when I when I was watching this series, it, it, he was going to do something. Like it, he was in one of those. There I say he was in the zone, right? Like <laughs> he was he was in one of those zones that, you know, no matter who was pitching, no matter where you threw the ball, he he was going to put the bat on the ball, right? And it was going to be in place somewhere, you know. And you know, just looking at, you know, he becomes uh, let me see, he becomes the first player in World Series history to have multiple home runs, mm-hmm. multiple triples, and multiple doubles in the series. He hits 500 in the series. So you can think, all right, it's a World Series, whatever. He had 24 at-bats. Like, you know, hitting 500, is, again, obviously you're going to hit every other at-bat. Right. Like, this is not like a, you know, one or two-game performance. Like, this is a six-game series. Man, this dude was hot. He really was. And the the thing is, it's... Paul Molitor's a Hall of Famer, you yeah, know. Even before this series, before this series, great player, you know, known for his time in Milwaukee. Um, one of those quiet guys that, but one of the best hitters you 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 know probably we've ever seen, and yeah. doesn't get talked about a lot. Nope. But you know, I look at like a Rod Carew, Robin Yao, kind of George Brett. Paul Molitor to me is in that. You know, we see with like Wade Boggs and and Tony Gwynn. Paul Molitor's like that guy, like that kind of textbook if you're showing some young kid who's getting into playing baseball he's in that to me elite level of like textbook hitting yeah he had a beautiful swing nice and short compact really like a quick swing it was just man everything he hit obviously again we just went into the stats but everything I felt like every at bat every time he put the bat on the ball it was a it was a problem for the Phillies right you know and not only was he just getting hits and he wasn't it's not like he was getting hits in like game two or three where it was like a blowout it was like in big moments it was big home runs it was a big single it was a big double you know so he he definitely had an amazing an amazing series so I know I definitely wanted to highlight that a little more uh for sure but another question I have for you Jeremy uh, we were talking about, uh, and obviously we should have, right? Like this Blue Jays lineup, right? So I wanted to get into it a little more with you, and I wanted to ask you a question on on this lineup. So again, we were talking about it a little bit, but you know, I, I want to give you the lineup from the from the beginning, right? So you're looking at, you know, Ricky Henderson, Devon White, you got Robbie Alomar hitting third, you got Joe Carter. Uh, Robbie Alomar switch hitter, so it doesn't matter. Like you know, like what type of picture you try to come in with, he's he, you're gonna you're gonna have to face Robbie Alomar. 
You got Joe Carter, who was an RBI machine at this time, at this era in the 90s. You have John Oliver, who we were just talking about, who had 363 for the season. You know, he took a 400 average into August. Again, the second player to do that other than Ted Williams. And then you had you had Paul Molitor hitting six. And then you had Tony Fernandez hitting seventh. You also had Ed, Ed Sprague playing third because, again, Toronto's an American League team, so Molitor was DH most of the year. And then you had, who was the World Series MVP in 92, Pat Borders hitting eighth. What a lineup, man. Like, where, where, is the, where is the spot where, as a pitcher, you can relax? There isn't any spots there. So I wanted to ask you, Darren, because, again, in the 90s, you know, and we all know what happened in the 90s, right? Home runs were flying out of the park left and right. You know, but there were some tremendous, tremendous, tremendous lineups in the 90s, especially in the American League. So I wanted to kind of stick to the American League for these next two teams and then one National League team because, I, you know, I feel bad for the National League. So... Um, the one team that you mentioned at the beginning of the show who is constantly talked about even more than his Blue Jays teams is that Cleveland Indians team in the early 90s who lost to the Braves in 95 and then lost to the Marlins in 97. 97. Yeah, so um, I wanted to look at that lineup because, again, that's another one of those lineups. Yeah, to me, that's the best offense. Do you think that's the best one? Yeah. All yeah. right, so that's I'm they, gonna, and they had the most dominant. Remember, that's a strike shortened like year because of '94 and the strike happening and that labor dispute going into '95. But they, you know, they went 144 games as a regular season, and the Indians still went 100 games that year. Yeah, you know, so uh, they were 10 games better than the Braves, who the Braves did beat them in the World Series. Uh, Got to give the Braves credit, but also the Umps kind of expanded that strike zone pretty good too. Yeah. But I just think the the Bra- the, the Indians in 95, I'm not going to put them overall as a team because to me, like, you have to get the job done, and the Indians didn't. Yeah. But if we're talking about just offense, I'm going to give it to the 95 Indians as the best offense of any team in the 90s, in honestly. that era. Yeah, I got to give them best offense, not yeah, overall that, team. This is what we're talking about. We're not talking about overall yeah. team, no coaching, no pitching staff, none of that. We're just talking about lineups I think here. it's deeper, and even in the parts that I like maybe better for Toronto, I think, you know, Kenny Lofton played that Ricky Henderson part, you know, but you have Manny, you got Jim Tomey, you got Eddie Murray, you know, it's, it's guys who, you know, Hall of Famers, you know, people, you know, Manny kind of hurt himself with that, but Manny to me was a Hall of Fame. Oh, he was one, he was the best right hitter I see, other than, than Pujols came. But. Yeah, you know, and he's probably one up there with like a DiMaggio in that kind of class. Absolutely. So this just kind of, you know, Omar Vizquel was a great player. Like, you just had a loaded squad to me that I think it's a crime that they didn't get a title in 95. Albert Bell, the kind of monster that he was. So it, it was just a murderer's row. And, they all, you know, to me were home run and RBI guys. You had the average guys too. You had the the great leadoff with Lofton, but you know, with the the Blue Jay team, really Joe Carter was that like kind of power guy, and he, yeah. you know, for a run was thirty home runs and a hundred RBIs, which is good in that that dynasty kind of run for the Blue Jays. But you have a who's who of guys for the Indians who could do that, and to me, I think that that offense is. Uh, the best offense of that decade. So, for our listeners, Darren, who don't, who maybe not, they don't remember that '95 Cleveland team. Um, I'm just going to give you the lineup, and just like Darren said, it's 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 stacked. You know, this is the lineup where 
I feel if any other lineup that we're going to talk about or any other lineup in the 90s can definitely contend with that Blue Jays lineup. So, again, you talked about Kenny Lofton. He was hitting leadoff. You had Omar Vizquel, who was probably the easiest out here. But, again, got on base and was yeah. a dynamic shortstop defensively. But, again, um, then you had, again, you had the little Puerto Rican flavor in here, Ricardo's Barriga, right? Great switch hitter again, hit 314 and 95. Then you had Albert Bell cleaning up. Now, for folks who don't remember Albert Bell, he was dominant. He was dominant. He was Ryan Howard esque. He was like, you know, you're looking at 40 home runs, 140 RBIs, yeah, yeah. hitting. He had 317 this well, season. Well, and that run, he he's rivaling what you see with. You're looking at the best players in the AL. You're looking at Frank Thomas. You're looking at Griffey and Albert Bell's rivaling. He's right with them. them. Yeah, he's right. You with know, it's like the best players in the AL, best players in baseball. Yeah. You know, and so he's not just a power guy. He's hitting no. three seventeen. And as temperamental as Albert Bell was, a little bit. Cleveland dealt with him. That's how good of a great of a player he was because Albert Bell had, was very temperamental, superstitious. Just you know, he didn't know what could set him off. But Cleveland kept him. For a while, because yeah, they, of that ability. Yeah, yeah, and he still left Cleveland, went to Baltimore, doing some great things there too. But then obviously that faded away. So now that's that's your cleanup guy. So if you're getting on base, if you're Kenny Lofton, you're getting on base. You're Carlos Barriga, you're getting on base. You're, you're he's going to drive you in. But if he can't, now you have one of the all-time, maybe the best switch hitting player ever, in Eddie Murray. You know, hitting right behind him. So. If you get Albert Bell out, or if you don't get Albert Bell out, Eddie Murray's going to get on base. He's hitting 323, one of the best hitters of all time. So then, this is this lineup is ridiculous. So then, if you if you get past somehow get past Eddie Murray, now you have Jim Tomey. This is the '95 season. This is the season they went to the World Series. Now you have Jim Tomey hitting another 30 something home runs, driving another 120 runs, and then after that, you got. Probably again one another one of the best switch hitting players of all time, and Manny Ramirez, who was a young Manny Ramirez here, he still was hitting 308. And then you had Sandy Alomar hitting eighth. Had Sandy Alomar Jr. Was one yeah, uh, it's, it's it's ridiculous. I'll be honest, it, it it's almost it, it's for offense. There's no contest to me. Like that that Indians offense was the best offense in that time. Yeah, I think also what separates them. You know, from the Blue Jays is is again they're this this Indians lineup is a little more power driven as well. Like you have four guys here who can put up 30, 40 home runs. And oh, that and that's guys. the that's the thing to me. Like that's where it's it's that's the difference for me. It's there's not power like that. There's getting on base, which is huge, and and you know, but there's not there's not Joe Carter is good, but he's he's not you know compared to any one of the power guys, he's behind them. You know, we talk about Murray or Ramirez or Jim Tomei or Albert Bell. Joe Carter's behind them. and he's, Yeah, I'm taking all of those guys before. Yeah, Carter. and he's the best power guy for uh, Toronto at that time. Um, this Cleveland off, it's still, it, it kind of is the equivalent to me of like in football, the greatest show on turf. Like that's the best offense I've ever seen watching baseball was this Cleveland Indians team for me. Yeah, this – that's why I, I brought him up first. You know, again, um, I, I love that Toronto lineup. I think it's full of veterans. And, and these, these guys, a lot of these guys were young too. But, again, I there's no argument here. So I picked another random that random team. You got anything else on them real quick? No. Well, besides okay. just the fact that I think that it, it took 
the Braves and that three Hall of Fame pitching staff to get the job done. And, you know, even though the Braves kind of get looked at, how come they didn't win more? And I you know, made the joke, but it was questionable with the uh, the strike zone. Yeah, I get the Braves credit that when they get they get their world title, they took down this mighty offense that people don't talk about. They say, well, you only won one. Well, they won it, and also they beat this offense that, to me, is the equivalent of that murderer's row. Like, this offense is that dynamic. I look at them and, like, the, the big red machine. Like, yeah. those are some offenses that stick out to me, and the Braves got it done 95 against them. So credit to Atlanta. Yeah, because that one through eight, there's no weak spot there. Sandy Alomar, maybe again, Omar Rizquel. But after that, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what pitcher you are. You're, you're in trouble. And they're doing this, again, and this is in the AL. You got Randy Johnson. You got Pedro out there. Like, there's a lot of great pitchers in the AL. So, again, talking about Randy Johnson, I, want, I just picked a couple random lineups. Again, I wanted to get your opinion on them and compare them to this, again, this amazing Blue Jays lineup that we're talking about here in this episode. So I'm looking at 96 Seattle Mariners. Right, so I mean, I don't have the actual lineup. But I'm going to give you the stars here. So you got, you know, obviously we'll start with the with the names, right? We're looking at Ken Griffey, who at the time arguably best player in the game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Bonds, but again, I I've had these good arguments, and I can see where people are coming from with Griffey. I think maybe for the decade Bonds, but at this point, like in the mid '90s, you might want to say Griffey at this point. Yeah, no, I you won't have you have an argument, but. I get where you're coming from. Then you had Jay Buhner, who in, this is what, 96, Buhner hit 44 home runs. He's a beast. Yeah, drove 138 RBIs, monster, and still hit 271. Then you have, what I say, possibly the best DH of all time, and Edgar Martinez. Yeah, him and uh, David Ortiz is making a run. He made a run for that, too. That's a good point. Yeah, so Edgar this season hit 327, but also hit 26 home runs, drove in 103 RBIs. Then you had this young guy playing shortstop named Alex Rodriguez who played 146 games, hit 36 home runs, 103 RBIs. I mean, excuse me, 123 RBIs, and then hit uh, 358. That's his breakout. 95, he kind of is him and Jeter both like on the bench. So 96 is the years that really both of them are starters, and it's the – Year, you know, Jeter, the Yankees win in '96, and he is a really good year. But to me, A Rod is the guy in '96. Like he's showing that blueprint. Like Jeter gets the attention. New York, the Yankees won, but the best shortstop, the future of that position is Alex Rodriguez. In '96, he showed that. And the most impressive stat to me is 20 years old. Yeah, <laughs> 20 years old, hitting 36 home runs, 123 RBIs, hitting 358. Amazing, and then playing shortstop, who is a which is a grueling position to play in, sure. in, in baseball. So you have these guys here. Then you get into like your Joey Joey Coras, your Paul Sorrentos, who people are laughing that he had twenty three home runs, ninety drove in ninety three RBIs, hit two eighty nine. Then you got you know Dan Wilson, whoever he had eighteen home runs still, eighty three RBIs, hit two eighty five. So again, this is another lineup: Russ Davis, okay. Um, Rich Armorall, whatever I think that's how you pronounce his last name. It looks how it looks like, but again, those were their weak spots. But their core guys, that's that middle of that lineup, was all time great, all time great. And then again, you had so many type of different type of hitters. You had we talked about it. We had Griffey in there. Paul, I mean, excuse me, Jay did you Buhner. say Tino? No, I didn't say Tino. Tino Martinez? 
I didn't say Tino Martinez. I'm saying that you he's part of that team. Yeah, yeah. no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I haven't gotten to there yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, and again, but looking at this core, man, like these guys can 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 do it all for sure. It's a um one of the first probably the first team I fell in love with, like my favorite, like because the Phillies were so bad. But I love that Seattle team and a lot of people did. Um Griffey was just cool, and you, you kind of just had to love him. But there were so many guys, people kind of forget how great Jay Buhner was for that run. Yeah. And he's beloved in Seattle. Um, the loudest I ever heard the 12th man for the Seahawks game is when Jay Buhner came out, and he did it, and it just went crazy. Um, I I always kind of was a big Buhner fan. And Alex Rodriguez, this is, is the A-Rod I, I loved because yeah, he too. was kind of still – pure and innocent and he didn't have all this other stuff with him and didn't you know get that 252 million dollar contract and stuff like that so um him become a yankee Ugh. so a rod here that's when he was to me the man so it, it's it's a great and edgar martinez yeah low-key great great hitter and it was awesome that he becomes a hall of famer and yep to me there's the the first dh to be inducted it should be edgar martinez and i'm glad that he was so it, 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 and Tino, you know, who later like a lot of people remember him going to the Yankees, but Tino was a hell of a player for Seattle as well. So to me, it's just uh, it, it's a really good lineup, good offensive lineup that Seattle had too, and they were fun to watch out in the West Coast. Yeah, and you had a young Raul Ibanez. Yeah, like it, this team, man, they were. We all thought, you know, this team was going to make a make that run again. You're looking at Griffey and A Rod. Oof, man. And at this point, Griffey's, what, 30, no, 26 years old. So you got those two cornerstone pieces for your franchise or your organization, whatever. Man. Well, let me ask you, because I, I think we're on agreement with Cleveland yeah. as the best. So then who do you take, uh, 93 Blue Jays or 96 Mariners? I'm taking the Blue Jays. Me too. Yeah, just there's a couple holes here in, in his Seattle lineup that there's not in, in Toronto. And definitely not in Cleveland. But, um, yeah, so I think even this next lineup, you know, I'm going to the National League. I had to show National League a little love. So I figured, you know, why not look at the team in the 90s um, and grab one of their lineups. Again, I'm doing this random. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure people are going to have some arguments. And if you do, hit us up on Twitter. Yep, yep. You know, let us know if there's a different lineup where you agree with or you want to put up against this Toronto lineup or even this Cleveland lineup. Uh, but we're, we're definitely open to, to that conversation for sure. So now I'm going to look at the 98 Braves, right? So, you know, this lineup, again, we talked about this Blue Jays lineup. This is another lineup where they added a couple guys. You have some definitely some homegrown talent on this lineup. Um, so you have, and we've talked about them. You know, we talked about this lineup for sure, but we talked about this Braves team in depth. If you want to check out our icons, we definitely broke down that whole Braves era. Um, so, yeah, check that out if you can. But, you know, let's look at this lineup again. You have a catcher. You have Javi Lopez, who I know you're not the biggest fan of. No, you remember that, huh? Yeah, I do remember <laughs> that. But the guy this season, 98, 34 home runs, 106 RBIs. Yeah. Hit yeah. 284. Had a great season. You got to give him that. He did decent. Then you got the big cat. Big cat playing first base. Who in the 90s was one of the best hitters, best hitting first baseman. You know, yeah, and, he was an MVP candidate yeah, that he, year. Yeah, he had 44 home runs, 121 RBIs. And he also hit 305. This guy was was automatic. You know what I mean? Automatic 30 home runs, automatic 100 RBIs. And you had Chipper, 
Your boy, Larry. Larry. You know, hitting, Love the Larry chance. Yeah, hitting 34 home runs, 107 RBIs, hitting 313 for that season. Great, great season for, you know, Chipper Jones. Uh, you got Klesko, who I think he didn't play that. He played 129 games, still had 18 home runs, 70 RBIs. You had my guy, center field, Andrew Jones, who I love to death, man. You I, met? That was my, I met Andrew, yeah, that was my man. I, met, I named my son after him. So, um, he's 21. We're talking about A-Rod. He's, Andrew Jones this season is 21 years old, man, hitting 31 home runs, 90 RBIs, hitting 271, 27 stolen bases. And, again, gold glove center fielder. One of the best ever to do it in center field defensively. Um, so, again, this this line, yeah, Walt Weiss, you know, um, who else is in here? Um, Michael Tucker, but I think he didn't play. He didn't play that many games. He played 130 games. So, you had, you had a lot more holes in this lineup, obviously, than a couple other ones that we talked yeah. about. But, again, I just want to give the National League a little love. I'm sure there's other lineups. I'm, I'm trying to think of that Marlins lineup with Sheffield and Bonilla. You know, they – uh, Edgar Renneria, like they had, they had a decent lineup there too. But you know, the, the '98 Braves are interesting because it's arguably, I mean, case there were like the '95 Indians as like the best teams that ever won the World Series. Yeah, and you know, if you haven't listened to our '90s Braves episodes, I I do have respect for Javi Lopez, but there's a reason why when they get bounced by San Diego. We see a couple of goose eggs. Yeah. You know, because that's my thing. You, you, those bats got quiet in playoff time, and I mean real quiet. Yeah. And so that's that's to not – but it's a, it's a great – we're keeping just the offense. The lineup, it was a really good lineup. Javi Lopez did play really well. Big Cat had that great, you know, comeback story with, you know, had cancer yeah. and came back. It's a great signing. So it, it was it was, it was was a really good team, and it's it's, you know, one of the best teams to never get it done and never win it for the 98 Braves so um I I like this lineup I it's definitely behind Toronto yeah would you put this ahead of Seattle no all right so we're we're looking at Cleveland so I think we're in agreement here Cleveland Toronto yeah Seattle Atlanta and Atlanta all right this went better than I thought yeah, yeah, yeah. Normally, I mean, normally I gotta school you a little bit. Please, please. But I, I that Cleveland lineup, man. Just looking at it again, sheesh, no. man. That was that was that was torturous. But no. you know the the reason why we did this again, man. Just we wanted to give a little more love to that Blue Jays team, um, and that great run they had back to back World Series again. That strike sort strike shortened season in '94. So who knows what would happen in '94? But. You know, this was a great team, man, that nobody still talks about. No, and um, you know, if you look at our archives, when we had Dustin McGuire, who hosts the podcast Baseball by the Book, and we were, you know, talking about just interesting people who we'd like to see books written about. I, you know, didn't want to gush too much during the episode, but I think Pat Gillick, just his story of from being with the Yankees in the seventies and kind of seeing that team develop into that dynasty, kind of a run, you know, he leaves, starts up Toronto. He's there from the start and kind of really building that team. And I didn't want to get into it too much, but those eighties blue Jays, when you have like Dave Steeb and, and those out that great outfit that they had and, and different, you know, bringing in Fred McGriff as well. Um, Really a good, you know, Tony Fernandez the first time, you know, and making that move, 
bring in Cito Gadsden from yep. hitting coach. That and Cito said that he didn't really want that limelight. He didn't see himself as a skipper. And the only other like you know Frank Robinson was managing at the time, but that's a great player. You know you didn't see you know managers of color who were like role players and kind of coming up that way, journeyman guys. So, you know, kudos to Pat Gillick for that. And, you know, go to see what he did with Baltimore in the mid-90s. Oh, yeah. You know, and that little run that they had competing with the Yankees for the AL East. Then he goes to Seattle and builds up, you know, Griffey leaves in that 0-1 Mariner team. You know, he signs Ichiro and that team that won the most games ever in a season. Yeah. Is you know like Pat Gillick's a part of that, and then Jose mentioned it in the episode. You know, um, there was pieces there that the Phillies were rising, but Pat Gillick makes some clutch moves and wins his third World Series with the team that you know in '93 he his Blue Jays beat the Phillies. Fifteen years later, he's winning a World Series with the Philadelphia Phillies. So just an interesting all like the players he's been a part of, the franchises he helped to build. Um, I want to give credit to Pat Gillick because I think I, I'm going to put Branch Rickey ahead of him, and honestly, I'm not really looking at any other GM yeah, in baseball history over Pat Gillick. Yeah, I know you're a big Gillick fan, and I am too. Like, I, I don't, I really can't, I can't see anyone else. You know, it's just everywhere he went, the team immediately got better, and where he left them better than they were when he got there. So that's what you want. Like, at a GM, that's exactly what you want. So. No, kudos to Gil. Like, I'm glad you brought that up again because um, I, I feel like a lot of people forget. I just feel like people think it's like Toronto, then Philly. It's like, no, like he's – there's a great run here yeah. with Gillick. So, yeah. no, I, I agree. And you mentioned the late 80s Blue Jays. They lost in 91. We just talked about Jack Morris and the Twins. They lost to that – they lost yep. in that run. So, it's like this team was coming, you know, for a couple of years. And in 92, 93, they definitely showed what they can do. Great run here for the Blue Jays. But – um. I don't know, man. I, I like this thing right here, man. I do. I do. It was it's it's been a lot of fun. And I, I'll just say this real quick. It was really cool watching these old broadcasts. Like I'm glad that's one of my favorite things about YouTube. Get to watch these old games and to see because you know, I feel like people kind of forget Sean McDonough's been around for a long time. I know. Is he doing Monday night now in football now? Too? And now he's going to do hockey. Yeah. Oh, I can't with wait. With the NHL coming back. But Sean McDonough, son of the late, great Will McDonough, um, been around for a while. And this is where Tim McCarver was a lot sharper. You know, he yeah. was on his game more. He was. And CBS Sports, that's the last baseball game that CBS has. Oh, wow. Is that. this 93 World Series. And it's something because CBS loses baseball and the NFL in 93. So CBS Sports was like the dominant king for a while. And you heard um, Jack Silverstein on a previous episode talk about NBC Sports' rise. Their rise kind of like comes with CBS falling. Fox gets in there, gets the football deal from uh, CBS. You know, baseball kind of goes away. And then... NBC's rising with the NBA on NBC. They're yeah. getting football, like they're getting baseball. You know, those Indians games, those World Series, they're on NBC and Bob Costas. So it's just a different time to see, like, who kind of does things better and who kind of covers it because that's a lot of times part of the fun and watching these games. You're hearing these broadcasting crews that you don't get a chance to hear anymore. And uh, it was kind of cool because I, I just feel like, yeah, Sean McDonough's a name you don't hear. I kind of heard it more recently. Yeah. 
but for he's I'm like he's been around for a long time. Yeah, and doing big games for a long time. Yeah, he, and this was a great call. That's why we opened up the show yep. with that because I just felt like it, again it's one of those calls that I'm never going to forget. So, nah, man, this was this was fun, man. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope all the listeners enjoyed. You know, this little shorter version of, of bigger than the game. Uh, but again, we wanted to do this so it just could provide you a little more content. And hopefully uh, something that we're going to keep doing for you guys in the future as well. 